means the ministry is interfering at Hogwarts. You're not going mad. You're just as sane as I am. I must not tell lies. You seem to be laboring under the delusion that I'm going to... What was the phrase? Come quietly. Hey everyone, welcome to Hogwarts, a podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hogwarts, a podcast. We are covering chapter 37, The Lost Prophecy. We have Elizabeth back with us. Hi everyone. So uh, before we get started, there are a couple of cool shout outs that we have to give here. And the first one is a comment that was left on Order of the Phoenix, chapter 35, Through the Veil, on our Spotify. And it was The Big Bambino left us this comment. <laughs> He's left us some comments before, so thank you for those. This particular comment is, always love Saturdays because of this show. Aww. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> he also has a question for us, though. He yeah. says, do you all ever slip up and let out a spoiler and have to cut it out? <laughs> all the time. <laughs> yeah. The answer is very much all the time. And I will... <laughs> I will add to it, uh, even stuff we don't necessarily have to cut out, sometimes I'll catch us talking about a subject yeah. in a non-spoiler, like, it's a non-spoiler, mm -hmm. but we will be discussing it. In a spoiler In a spoiler, just by the yeah. tone which which we're talking about yeah. it, or the nonchalantness that we're talking about it is, And sometimes it's just know. hard to remember, like, at which point in the series, because, like, you, you said in one of our previous episodes how it's been two years since we read, like, book one. <laughs> right. So now it's starting to blend together, and it's like, wait, have we talked about this yet? Oh, yeah, it was in Chamber of Secrets. Okay, that's safe to talk about then. Other things, ooh, no, no, that's, that's later. Can you believe, just doing this book, it's almost been three quarters of a year. <laughs> We've been on this book for three quarters of a year. That was crazy to think. So much has changed. It's nuts. So again, <laughs> forgive us if we're like foggy on some details from stuff that we've already covered. But thanks for your comment. Though. Thank you for the comment. And thank you for the question. Um, yeah, all the time, <laughs> all the time. Uh, we did want to shout out some Twitter comments as well. Um, we posted a poll about: Do we think a Death Eater or Luna or Ginny? hit Ron with the giggling jinx mm -hmm. in the Department of Mysteries. 50-50 is the final result of that poll. Uh, so, mm -hmm. interesting kind of breakdown. Mm -hmm. But Blue Wave Warrior on Twitter, or X, as it is now known. No, I'll call it Twitter. Fair enough. <laughs> His answer was neither. He goes, neither a Death Eater or Luna or Ginny cast the giggling jinx spell. He thinks it was the impact of something else weird. In the Department of Mysteries. The more I think about it, I fully agree with that take. It, there's so many weird things you can touch in there that's going to mess with you. It makes sense. Yeah, 100%. I actually really liked it because we don't know all of what is in those rooms right. and what their effect on anybody is. Right. So I, I actually really liked the idea. And I said in response, like, I wish we could have somehow followed their journey. Mm. Like, even if it was just a complete exposition dump by Ginny, like, later on about, like, hey, our kind of 
way through the department of ministries it was really weird let me tell you about it and then just like three paragraphs yeah, of just her I mean, talking just imagine how weird it was just seeing the bell jar with the hummingbird like how many cool things are in these rooms that you just see and you're like whoa look at that yeah like it's gotta be cool i i would like to have a little breakdown of their adventure in the department of mysteries mm-hmm. but also jenny conway commented on my comment saying that would be cool to see so Clearly, HBO <laughs> should just do that when just they come listen out. Listen to our podcast and make the TV show based on our our desires. We also got um, another poll: whether Luna would be a good unspeakable, or if she should continue her career that she actually had. Right. And we got Retrotainment uh, leaving a comment on it saying. She'd have made a good unspeakable in some ways for navigating the Department of Mysteries because it seems to rely on trusting your instincts and reacts to your desires. But I don't know if she could keep anything secret if she worked there. But then again, who'd believe her? <laughs> it's a good point. <laughs> it's, it's a roller coaster of a thought process there by Retrotainment. I totally agree with every part of it, though. But yeah, that, that would be Luna. <laughs> yeah, I agree, too. That, that was uh, definitely solid. <laughs> I guess Luna Lovegood also <laughs> commented. I think she reposted. Um, yeah, she reposted she, it. She quote posted the, the poll and she goes, well, I do say if given the chance, I would have tried it. No one believes me now, so they wouldn't believe me even if I uh, was one. But animals call to me. It's where my heart belongs. Aww. So <laughs> I should clarify, not Ivana Lynch. That <laughs> no, was, no, no, no. That was a parody, Twitter account, Luna, account. Luna Lovegood. <laughs> Maybe it's a ghost account by Ivana Lynch. Oh, 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 oh. no, no. New theories. Um, yeah. So uh, that was a couple of comments that we got on X and Twitter, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Twitter is fine. <laughs> uh, so thank you for all of those comments. We really appreciate that interaction. Let's talk about the chapter, though. Let's talk about a. This is an interesting chapter, and I think both of us really enjoyed this chapter. I think I probably cried more than you did. You probably did. <laughs> I didn't cry, but... I cried so many tears. (laughs) I didn't cry, but it is a fascinating chapter, and it's fascinating even though it's essentially just a conversation. Yeah. This whole chapter is just a conversation between two people. Yeah. Uh, No action, no change. Well, I shouldn't say there's no action. Harry, like, destroys half of the room. (laughs) But there's no change in scenery. It all takes place in this one room. It's, It's interesting. Yeah, and TV shows, I think that's, I think they're called can episodes, right? Where it's just like you're in this one set the entire time and it's more to focus on the character dynamics than it is the actual action. Like you said, it's the conversation and how the people react to what's said in the conversation. Mm -hmm. Which is fun. It's interesting. It is interesting. So, I mean, there's no real need for a brief rundown of this chapter because it happens in a room and it's a conversation. So that's (laughs) that's the brief rundown. Specifically Dumbledore's office, which has repaired itself since... Harry was last in it. Indeed. Which I find fascinating. So uh, Harry arrives at Albus's office, and we get a couple of minutes of just him being alone in the office. And one of the first things he says is, it's his fault Sirius died. Right. It's completely my fault. Right. And then he talks about how if he had, this is his quote, his quote, <laughs> not Julie's, not anybody else's on this podcast. This is his quote. If he had not been stupid enough to fall for Voldy's trick. That's him talking about himself. That's not us. Yeah, it's the guilt. Hardcore crushing down on him. 
which I think now it's doing so well just because the office is so silent. And he said how, like, if it was a true representation of what he was feeling, everything would be screaming. It'd just be so much. But being forced in that silence makes him have to face the past events of the past, like, 48 hours. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot to take in at once. We do get um, some of the portraits because the portraits are starting to wake up because it's uh, this is the middle of the night creeping up on dawn. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> the first portrait to kind of wake up is Phineas Nigellus. And he is clearly unknowing that his relative is no longer living. And he even makes a snarky comment about Sirius and is like, what's my do nothing disappointment yeah. of a great yeah. great grandson like what's am i supposed to deliver him a message yeah oh great again Ugh, which inconvenience which makes harry feel terrible right and then the other portrait is also making harry feel terrible but in a different way because he's like oh albus always speaks so highly of you he mm. thinks so much of you and harry's like get me out of this room I wrote down the quote. He said, Harry could not stand this. He could not stand being Harry anymore. He had never felt more trapped inside his own head and body. Never wished so intensely that he could be somebody, anybody else. And it just tugs at your heart. Because you're like, oh, Harry, you've gone through so much previously. And this is the moment where you most feel like you can't stand to be yourself. It's hard. We've talked in some spoiler sections uh, in the last couple of episodes about the amount of guilt that someone could possibly feel when, when you know there is no one else to really actually blame. Right. Like this is a hundred percent on you. Right. The, the and we'll we'll get into the specifics of that because there are some people that take blame, and he does try to blame someone else for it later in this chapter. But I mean, if I, it was me, I, he uses the word unbearable. Mm -hmm. I I don't know how I would be able to cope with that. Well, especially since it's not even an injury; it was a death. And of someone yep. you view as a parent at this point in your life, like that is so, so much trauma. Yeah, that's, it's a hard one. Yeah. We get Albus's return to. After his 30 minutes with Fudge. After his 30 minutes with Fudge, <laughs> which flew by. Yeah. Uh, we get Albus's return. I will say at this point, um, we are going to have a little bit of a different format for this episode since it's basically a, a massive conversation that takes place. We're going to pick out some quotes and have some conversation around those quotes uh, and what happened in this chapter. So there's a little bit of that. But yeah, Albus returns. He puts little baby fox mm. back in a pile of ash on, on his perch. Um, he does address Harry and say that none of the students have lasting injuries, which is a miracle. Mm -hmm. Everyone's expected to make a full recovery. Although Tonks does have to go to St. Mungo's. Tonks does have to go to St. Mungo's for a little bit of an extended stay, but they expect a full recovery there. Mm -hmm. um, so that, I mean, that's just a miracle in itself. Which Harry said, like, feeling that, hearing that, amplified his guilt. Like, he knew Dumbledore was smiling at him and being kind with saying it. He wasn't blaming him, but he's like, I feel like I'm being almost like screamed at, like this is my fault and I, I I know it's my fault. And the fact that people had the chance of being permanently injured or dying, like, oh, this is hard. Well, I'm glad you mentioned guilt here because we get our first quote that we're going to highlight in this episode. <laughs> Albus says, I know how you are feeling, Harry. Mm -hmm. So my question to you, Elizabeth, is 
Mm-hmm. Can he? Harry doesn't think so. Harry doesn't think so. I guess it kind of gets more into spoilers, so we can talk more about it later, but Dumbledore is a very, very old man, and he's gone through a lot in his life, and I think he's very good at understanding what makes people tick. So he can, to a degree, certainly understand what Harry's going through. Um, but like Phineas uh, Nagelis also says a little bit of like, oh, never try to understand the students. Like they don't want you to. They just want to be angsty. He's not fully wrong. Like students, teenagers specifically, they do just because that's where their brain development is. Think that like they alone in their feelings can feel what they're feeling and they understand them their themselves better than anyone. But Dumbledore's been through things he he can maybe he can't necessarily get harry to understand why he's able to understand his feelings but he's trying to empathize is is the short of it is is what he's trying to do here he said the fact that you can even feel this pain is a great strength harry just doesn't see it that way so let me preface everything that's going to be said in this chapter about harry with i don't blame or call out Harry for anything that he says in right. this chapter because he's does. so emotionally distressed mm-hmm. that I can't put any blame on him for whatever he says. And I'll give props to Dumbledore for staying so calm through it all, which I know to some degree makes Harry even angrier because he's like, how can you be calm when the world just ended? You know, his world just ended. Well, I will say, like, to what you were getting at was... I don't I don't think anybody can truly understand how another person feels cuz I don't know how Albus can really understand how Harry feels emotionally about Sirius. Right. That that's a unique feeling to a unique person. So in that respect that's true. However, um again, I'm not blaming Harry for anything he says or does. Right. That's set aside. But like you were saying Albus is an old individual. He's lived a life. He's right. lived a long life. You can probably safely assume he's suffered loss. Right. He's suffered regret. He's suffered grief and guilt. And you could assume he's experienced a whole life. Right. So on that side, it's like if Dumbledore said, hey, I know what it's like to lose someone. I know what it's like to lose someone close. You could probably safely assume you're an old man, you probably have. So I, I think it's a little bit of both. I think obviously Dumbledore doesn't really grasp the depth of Harry's emotions towards Sirius because he's not Harry. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's fair. But it's also probably safe to assume Dumbledore's you know, seen some things. Which I will give Dumbledore credit for too because he does have a quote that youth cannot know how age thinks and feels, but old men are guilty if they forget what it was to be young. So he can identify to a degree but also like you know it's been so long since i was your age i can't understand the degree to what you're feeling right now because right. it's so strong for you right now because this is your first i mean not harry's first but like it's, it's a big 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 thing when you're young you don't have as much to compare it against well and i, I think that's a solid quote because as much as i and some of my guests have gotten on Harry. Mm-hmm. We are guilty of that exact quote. I, a We're lot not of, teenagers anymore. <laughs> but we've lived that. Right. We should 
we should know that, hey, Harry's going through some tough times. Right. How could I have responded when I was 15? Could I have done better at 15? Right. I don't know. Right. And I think we're guilty of that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and Harry shouldn't have the emotional maturity that, equal to a Dumbledore. Dumbledore right. Because the, a lot of that comes with life and experiences and getting knocked down and having to get back up again, mm-hmm. sometimes repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Harry's experiencing a lot early. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think he's, and Dumbledore mentions this, he's like, what you're able to cope with. It's tremendous. It's mind-blowingly amazing. Yeah. Harry does wonder, though, because he looks out at the Quidditch pitch from Dumbledore's office. And this might be one of the first moments that I think you might have teared up, I think, a little bit. <laughs> I just cried continuously. Fair, fair enough. <laughs> Harry wonders, because Sirius actually came and saw him play Quidditch, Mm -hmm. Harry wonders if Sirius thought he was as good at Quidditch as James was. Mm -hmm. And then he immediately thinks, I never asked him. Oh, it's so sad. (laughs) And it's like, then you get into this, you know, conversations never had, Mm -hmm. and just forget the regret of the previous night Mm -hmm. you have regrets upon regrets upon regrets about related things about like i never asked Sirius this i never talked to him about this and And as that's like all crumbling down on you having dumbledore just sitting there calmly is enough to enrage him to the point of smashing things screaming i've had enough like i want out let me out of your office like i'm done here i can't be hairy anymore to that calmness I think Albus is really, really great with this Mm -hmm. because Harry will be like, you don't even know, you don't understand. And Albus is just like, well, what don't I know? Right. Like, tell me. Right. He's doing such a good job. (laughs) It's genuine. It's not like a him saying like this in a, in a, you know, condescending, condescending way of like, I'm Albus Dumbledore. Yeah. Please tell me what I don't know. Right. He's saying it like, okay, tell me. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably, I probably don't know what exactly you're going through. Tell me. No, he's doing an A-plus job with counseling here. And then Harry says, in all big, bold words, <laughs> I've had enough, I've seen enough, I'm done. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that, I guess this quote right here is maybe the biggest apo- emotional punch I get. Because I think we've all been in shoes where we're just fed up with everything. Mm-hmm. Nothing's going our way. We view even though it's not, we view the world as crumbling around us. Right. And we're just like, I can't do this anymore. Right. Like, I have done too much in the last four, now five years. I can't do it. Or even further than that. I mean, going back to the Dursleys, too. Well, All yeah. Trauma. Like, yeah, it's just, this is, I mean, God, you think about what Harry's gone through of, of year one, trying to save the, the... Sorcerer's Stone and having the whole school turn against him for his stupid mistakes and losing the house points. And then you have the whole school thinking that he's the heir of Slytherin. And then you lose the chance to have your godfather because, you, you know, now you have to go back to the Dursleys. And then you see Cedric die and you have the whole wizarding world think that you're a lunatic. Like, and so much gaslighting. There's just so much to cope with. And this is just the straw that broke his back. So we get to our next quote that we're going to feature here. Albus says, you're not nearly as angry with me as you should be. It's my fault Sirius died. Mm -hmm. And that kind of opens up a whole other discussion. (laughs) Uh, Because I mentioned, like, Harry blames himself. 
it's all my fault. He starts the chapter with, it's all my fault. Mm -hmm. So then we get into this kind of debate about well, whose fault is it? And they do come out with, you know, Dumbledore's like, hey, look, Sirius is brave. He's clever. He's energetic. He wasn't content to sit at home. Right. Especially when Harry was in danger. He's not going to stay home and let everyone else rush off to the ministry and have him just sit and wait for Dumbledore. Like, he's, he's going to go. But Dumbledore then follows it up with, you should never have believed there was ever a need for you to go to the Ministry of Magic. Mm. I should have been more open with you from the get. Mm. Which we've talked about. We've before. talked about that relentlessly, <laughs> how Dumbledore needs to fill him in more. Mm-hmm. Um, Which he did say, like, you know, all year I've I haven't interacted with you. I was trying to keep you at a distance in order to protect you, which is an old man's mistake. I shouldn't have done that, but I was afraid Voldemort would recognize how close we were and then use you, manipulate you in a way that would be dangerous to you. Side tangent. Phineas chips in with, wait a second. No. Are, are you telling me that my great-great-grandson, the last in the line of my family tree, is gone? Him walking out of his frame and then Harry imagining him walking through Grimald Place being like, Serious, serious. Oh my god, it's gonna make me tear up again. <laughs> yeah, so sad. And we don't see him for the rest of the chapter. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yes, then we. This is the conversation where we get the quote of "Youth cannot know how age thinks and feels, but old men should are guilty if they forget what it was to be young." So, where do you side on this? As far as who carries more of the the guilt? Yeah. Harry or Albus here? Oh. I mean, I get what Albus is trying to do. He's an old man. He's carried a lot on his shoulders. Dumbledore expects more of himself. And I think he had more time to think about this. He has more background information about the situation than Harry does. So I think he could have done a better job of foreseeing it. Which, I mean, to be fair, later on in the chapter, he does explain why he didn't. Why he fell into that trap he foresaw harry does also though have the whole fact that he ignored hermione's advice and dumbledore's like desire for him to learn occlumency and and his hero complex i i I think i think this is the classic chicken and the egg yeah like what came first yeah dumbledore should have told him like hey this is a real thing. Voldemort might try to lead you here. Mm-hmm. Don't go. No matter what, don't go. And then Harry, you had warnings. I mean, they were literally just in the Hall of Prophecies. And we've talked before about how, like, fate is going to happen no matter what. I think it was Sirius's fate that this was going to happen. I mean, even if small changes had been made... What's done is done. I, I generally tend to like prescribe to the idea that like things happen the way they're supposed to happen at the time that they're supposed to happen. So regardless of who is more at fault, this was his time. You're always a fan of polls, Elizabeth. <laughs> I think we have our poll. No, if 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 you were to really put me to it, I'd I'd lean Elvis. I think this is more on Elvis because he should have done a better job of preparing and informing mm. Harry. Mm-hmm. And if that happens, I think Harry is at least 
more aware that Voldy could be setting up this trap. Yeah, I mean, he said, full-blown, here's another quote, if I'd been more open with you, Harry, as I should have been, you would have known a long time ago that Voldemort might try and lure you to the Department of Mysteries, and you would never have been tricked into going there tonight. So he's right. So we get another bit of Albus explaining things to Harry. Mm -hmm. And in this segment, Albus is explaining why he ignored Harry this year. And we had been talking about Albus never looking Harry in the eye and Harry constantly mentioning it over and over and over again. Yeah. Or like, why didn't you teach me Aquamancy? Why didn't you ever be there for me? And his answer was distance. He wanted distance between him and Voldy. And he thought um, Voldy might use him as a spy against mm -hmm. him via possession or some form of possession. And <clears throat> I think it's validated to an extent because what did Voldy do in the Department of, uh, not in the Department of Mysteries, but in the Ministry of Magic? He possessed Harry and tried to make Dumbledore attack him, right. essentially. And even before that, like once he realized they had that connection after Mr. Weasley was attacked, then it was like, okay, well, I'm going to push my thoughts of the Department of Mysteries into your brain. That's manipulation. I I think it's interesting here what Harry then says. Once upon a time, this would have been really interesting information. Mm -hmm. Now it's meaningless. Mm -hmm. it, everything's done. Mm -hmm. Like, it's over. What's done is done, and I don't care anymore. Right. And I think... Because it can't change the outcome. No, and... You know, I can relate to that a little bit of just like, oh, that would have been nice to know a while ago, but now, who cares? That time has passed. We do get some information that Snape was providing Albus information on every Occlumency lesson, because <laughs> Albus was clued into all of it. Right. And uh, he confirms that uh, Voldy could and should probably go after the prophecy but it would re re risk revealing himself mm -hmm. and then harry harry admits to not practicing the aquamancy right of like i should now now this is validation to a lot of the complaints we had about harry chapters and chapters and chapters ago where we're like harry you really need to be doing this you really need to be focusing on this and he kind of puts it off and he's like i'm an idiot I should have really tried. I think this is him. He's confessing, and the confession, I think, is supposed to try to help ease his guilt. Like, he almost, to a degree, wants to get yelled at. Of Like, yes, this is your fault. If you had done this, things would be different. But Dumbledore knows it's not entirely your fault. Like, he flat out said, you know, I, I get, I know that Snape stopped those lessons. I maybe put a little bit too much faith into the idea that Snape could get over his past grudges. He couldn't. Well, we're getting into the part of the conversation where Albus does provide a couple, or at least one individual that Harry wants to put so much blame on, <laughs> or could put blame on. Creature. Mm -hmm. Creature is revealed to be a little bit on the treacherous side here. Has been for a while. So Albus reveals that Creature left to go to the Malfoys after Sirius said the command out. Right. He took it very literally. 
Which is, I guess, to his discretion. <laughs> which just came around Christmas when Mr. Weasley got attacked. Yeah. We find out that Creature had injured Buckbeak during the time when Harry wanted to use the fireplace. So Sirius had to be away tending to Buckbeak so he wouldn't be able to answer that fireplace call. Mm-hmm. And we learned that Snape had communicated with Sirius to ensure the safety. Obviously, the Order of the Phoenix has better ways of communication, similar to what the DA... <laughs> they don't have to go into Umbridge's fire. <laughs> exactly. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure we can come up with a better way to communicate. Yeah. And Snape was, quote, worried when Harry didn't return from the uh, adventure in the forest with Umbridge. Mm-hmm. So he alerted Order members... And the order members that happened to be present when Snape made contact um, was the group that went to the Department of Mysteries, which apparently they had to all get there just seconds, minutes after Harry used the fireplace. Like, that had to be not long, not terribly long thereafter. Makes me wonder how long Snape waited for them to come back from the forest. Because, I mean, it is a big forest, and... He might be thinking, like, oh, Umbridge is off doing something. But, I mean, how long do you wait before you're like, oh, well, wait. Because, I mean, Umbridge didn't come back either. Right. She's off with the... Oh, I don't think Snape cares at all about Umbridge. He's like, <laughs> okay, where's Harry at? And the kids didn't, then it'd be like, wait a second, this is weird. So I, I do wonder how long he waited before he got worried. Harry's question to Albus through all of this is, how do you even know all of this? Mm-hmm. And... Albus is like, well, obviously, once they alerted the order, they alerted me, and I was to show up at Grimold Place. And they had already left. I get there. I talked to Creature. Creature was unwilling to give me the whole story. Mm-hmm. So Albus, quote-unquote, persuaded Creature to give him the full story. I'm sorry, Elizabeth. He also, persuaded? He also said he's good at legitimens, right? To, mm-hmm. to be able to interpret when he's being lied to or not. Yeah, to interpret whether he's being lied to or not. Yeah. Then he goes on to, I persuaded. He doesn't elaborate what persuaded means. Uh-huh. And he said that creature, you know, being a house elf, he, he only has to listen to his master. He doesn't have to listen to somebody else. But he was able to get out of him that creature has been escaping to the Malfoys and, and going to talking to Bellatrix, who's the only black family member that he still respects. And they got out of him that, like, Harry feels for Sirius as, like, a father, and he'd be the only person who could lure him to the Ministry, which was information that's not necessarily so secretive that he was forbidden from sharing it, but it seemed innocent enough that, like... He could share it, and it backfired really badly. Yeah, so Harry obviously gets very angry with Creature mm-hmm. and starts bombarding Creature, and Albus is like, well, wait a second. It's, this isn't exactly Creature's complete fault either. And Harry's right. like, what are you talking about? And it's like, Creature was pretty poorly treated if you think about it. Yeah, he like, said he's to be pitied the same way like Dobby was. His existence has been just as miserable as Dobby's. And then it it was a really interesting quote that he had about the idea of neglect is almost as powerful as open hate. Neglect and indifference. Yeah. Yeah. 
Which you would think Harry, I mean, obviously right now he's not thinking about this because he's too emotionally distraught, but like Harry should be able to identify with this. He has come from the Dursleys where he does suffer from neglect and indifference. Also, uh, right, dislike, but like a lot of times he's completely ignored and, and when you don't have that love, it damages you. I want to I want to get that quote exactly right. It's indifference and neglect often do more damage than outright dislike. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true mm-hmm. on, on a lot of different ways. If you're at least when you're disliked, they make your presence known and validated. Yeah, you're not treated like a ghost. Yeah, if they just completely ignore you, you feel less than human or less just less than. Which is what Harry felt all summer, right? Like, I mean, he accused Dumbledore of treating him that way, of neglecting him, being indifferent to him. Or like you said, the Dursleys. The Dursleys have done that their entire lives. Right. Plus the level of outright dislike towards him. So so think about it. How much does Harry dislike the Dursleys? Mm -hmm. That's probably how much Creature dislikes Sirius Mm -hmm. Black. That's a good point. So, I mean, can you blame Creature for going to someone who he thinks will treat him better? Or treat him, at least give him a better position? Mm Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know, you could see where Creature's coming from on that. Right. But Harry is not happening. <laughs> he's not, not <laughs> he's loving not that. not it because it sounds like he's blaming, like, Sirius for dying. It's like, oh, no, no, no. Sirius was a good man towards house elves in general. It's just that Creature reminds him too much of his own unhappy upbringing. It was a bad situation all around. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, Harry gets very upset with the idea of like, why are you talking about about Sirius? And this is not the time to be talking bad about Sirius. You say he deserved to die? No, no, I'm not. Like, I did not say those words. <laughs> Please do not put those words in my mouth. Right, I'm never gonna say that. Um, but anyway, uh, Harry then begins to be like, all right, I guess creature was mistreated. Well, you know who's really to blame? Snape. <laughs> and then Albus is like, Professor Snape. <laughs> Professor Snape. Oh, we should we should have been counting how many times in the series he gets corrected. To yeah, we should have had Professor that count. Professor Snape. But here's the thing. About, <laughs> and, and again, I I fully am aware that Harry is in a compromised state. Mm-hmm. That's that's fair. But Harry, did you not just listen to Albus explain that Snape promptly reported? To Sirius and the Order? I mean, Snape's, he said Snape's been doing all sorts of stuff. Like, Snape understood his cryptic, like, uh, his cryptic warning in front of Umbridge. Obviously, he couldn't interpret it more openly in front of Umbridge because then she would understand. He said he gave the fake um, serum to Umbridge, so even if Harry was stupid enough to drink it, he wouldn't be spilling out all the truth. Yeah, so it's not even real Veritaserum, and you hoped Harry would, like, be smart enough not to drink it. Right. He gave her fake Veritaserum. Right. And, I mean, like, like Snape was obviously worried for them to come back out of the forest, and, and he sent the warning. So it's not like Snape is just sitting around being like, ooh, I hope Sirius dies today. Like, no. I, I like Albus's response is like, as I just told you. <laughs> as per my last email. <laughs> kinda. As per my last five minutes, he was helping you. Right. He was looking out for you. He literally said the word worried. Right. Like, okay. I, now we're getting Harry into the realm of who can I pass blame off to to right. try to take some of the guilt off my shoulders? Yeah, it's those stages of grief. It's understandable, but... 
he just he just said he just <laughs> said um so harry does say this one thing about how oh so it's okay for snape to hate james but it's not okay for sirius to hate creature mm-hmm. and that's when you get into well sirius didn't exactly hate creature he hated everything that creature represented right and as far as snape hating james he's like okay i did underestimate how the loathing between those two would impact Snape as an adult. Right. That's my fault. That's not Snape's fault. That's my fault for misreading that situation. Well, hoping he could get past it. Yeah. He couldn't. With all of these questions that Harry keeps firing at Albus, Albus does show some signs of just being, like, tired mm-hmm. and sad. Which makes Harry mad, because he's like, how dare you let this, like, drain you? I, I'm... Of all things, that that's a weakness, and you you don't show weakness. You're Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. So, little does Harry know, <laughs> we're about to get into an even deeper part of this conversation. Yeah, this is more than what you bargained for. <laughs> right. So, Albus gets into this substantial monologue. It's essentially the like a history of Harry's life, but from Dumbledore's perspective. Yeah, these a little are, bit. These are why I made the decisions that I made. Uh, There was an interesting quote here that I just want to start off this segment with, and it's, Voldy has knowledge of magic that is perhaps most uh, more extensive than any wizard alive. You're better than me, because I wrote down the same quote, but then I went on for several sentences more. (laughs) (laughs) But that quote's, that snippet of that quote is substantial because Dumbledore Mm -hmm. is acknowledging that, hey, he might know more magic than even I. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's a problem, because if I wanted to set up my own personal protection, it might hold for a little bit, but I think he could break it. Right. He did say he knew where Voldemort was weak, and therefore where to best place any future protection. And he's obviously referring to the fact that Lily died to save Harry. That That's a kind of magic that Voldemort always underestimates, and therefore could be turned against him. And it was sealed, that Mother's Love Protection spell, sealed when Petunia officially decided to take him in. Which Harry finally realized it was Dumbledore's voice with the howler over the summer to remind her of this promise that she's made. I do like Dumbledore patting himself on the back a little bit and being like, you know, for the most part, I I get you're a little malnourished, but for the most part, (laughs) my plan actually worked. Right. Like, we were good. Until you came here. (laughs) And then things escalated at a rate that I did not officially plan on. Yeah, you've gone through so much. You said, I've watched you struggle under more burdens than any student who has ever passed through this school. That's a lot of burdens to be be dealing with. I can't imagine a student getting attacked every year. (laughs) Always in time for him to take the exams first, though. Yes, yes. Um, Albus says he should have told Harry about uh, about everything after the attack in year one, but he felt 11 was too young. Right. He felt 12 was hardly better than 11, which is true, but mm-hmm. still. And 13, too. Yeah. Like he said, I, I have fallen into the trap I had foreseen. I cared about you too much. I cared more for your happiness than you knowing the truth. Basically, I acted exactly as Voldemort expects we fools who love to act. Yep. It's hard. Couldn't bear to add another burden to Harry's. Already immense stack. Imagine if you're here at this point. Like, I know you're not actively thinking about it because you're so distraught over serious, but, like, what 
other possible burden could there be that's so great even Dumbledore doesn't want to share it with him? Well, we're about to get to that secret. <laughs> so, Albus, not a believer in divination. Yep. And not a believer in Sybil Trelawney. Until... For a job interview that's showing some faith as a sign of respect to her <laughs> long gone relative it was 16 years ago at the hogshead yeah um so not a believer in civil trelawney until this moment when trelawney goes into her trance-like state and i'll just read the prophecy out here so quote the one with the power to vanquish the dark lord approaches born to those who have thrice defied him born as the seventh month dies and the Dark Lord will mark him as his equal, but he will have the power the Dark Lord knows not. And either must die at the hand of the other, for neither can live while the other survives. And then it just goes on repeat. Right. So. That's an intense uh, moment in a job interview. That's I an... think she proved the point that she can do the job. <laughs> she proved the point that she is, in fact, an actual seer. Uh-huh. Um, just not what Albus was still hoping for. But Albus did say that the reason why Voldemort was aware of this prophecy is because there was an eavesdropper who was discovered halfway through. So they only heard the first part of like the person born to those who have thrice defied him as the seventh month dies. That's the one who has the power to take down the Dark Lord. So once the person was, you know, discovered and he reported to Voldemort that was the information that Voldemort was acting on, which, of course, backfired. So this entire time since returning to his greatness has been seeking the weapon, which is the knowledge of how the heck you destroy Harry Potter. So there's a lot to this prophecy. Break it down, Dan. There's a lot to <laughs> it. Albus does reveal, like, hey, this wasn't exactly necessarily meant for you. Mm-hmm. There was another <laughs> born at the end of July whose parents thrice defied him. Mm-hmm. Neville Longbottom. Yeah. And then Harry just goes off into this tangent of like, well, it's not even me. <laughs> Why am I getting all this, you know, attack and hate? And yeah. then Albus is like, well. You're forgetting the second half. <laughs> you're, you're forgetting another part of the, the Dark Lord will mark his equal. The Dark Lord chose you because he marked you. See the scar on your forehead? Yeah, he said the unspeakable then obviously labeled the prophecy knowing, okay, clearly this is about Harry Potter. Which does beg the question. That's why there's a question mark on the Right, which then label. was like Harry Potter afterward. Doesn't that imply that the unspeakable would have known the contents of the prophecy in order to have the question mark first and then label it as Harry Potter? So apparently there's a position because they mentioned the keeper of the prophecies Mm -hmm. as like a title. So So like someone who hears all of them? I don't know. Hmm. I don't know how that works. That or maybe Dumbledore told them. Maybe what happens is when it gets placed on its pedestal, Mm -hmm. it plays Record? Kinda. <laughs> it, it plays and they actually get to hear, hear it and then label it. Hmm. Maybe. But yep, it's definitely Harry. It is his prophecy. You have that scar on your head, so you have been marked. Albus does take a second to just revel in the irony that Voldy chose not the pure blood, Neville Longbottom, mm-hmm. but the half blood. Because even though he spouts pure bloods are the best and they always are the preferred bloodline, 
he himself is half-blood. So he wouldn't think that a half-blood would be less than. Right. And he said by giving you that scar, he gave you powers, he gave you a future, and he gave you the ability to escape him four times, which neither your parents nor Neville's parents were ever able to do. I have a question that I want to ask you to wrap up this non-spoiler. But before we get there, he the chapter essentially ends with um, Albus telling him, Harry, I decided not to make you a prefect because I felt you had enough responsibility on your shoulders. Mm-hmm. And then he says it, and then a tear falls from Albus's eyes. Yeah. So that's how the chapter ends. My question for you is, uh, at some point Albus says, the only one who has a chance of conquering Voldy. Do you think Harry Potter is the only one who has a chance of conquering Voldy? So says the prophecy. So says the prophecy. That means one of us has to kill the other one in the end. I have some spoilery thoughts. That's why I'm saving it for the very, very end here. But (laughs) I have some spoilery thoughts on that. Okay. But, yeah, I think that pretty much wraps up the non-spoiler then. Got anything else? (laughs) Uh, He did mention one of my favorite rooms in the Department of Mystery, just that love room. And he said how it's always locked, always, because the room, the power that that room holds is a quantity that... You have in such high amounts, and Voldemort has none at all. He said it's more wonderful and more terrible than death, than human intelligence, and the forces of nature. Um, he said it's in, in the heart. In the end, it was your heart that saved you. So we know that force that Harry has, that power that he has, that Voldemort doesn't, is his ability to love. I see where Harry's coming from, where it's like, I'm sorry, how is love going <laughs> to... Save I me. love save me. That's not a good power. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm sorry. He can kill me at any like time and love. The fact that I can love someone is not going to save me there. I, I understand Harry's way of thinking there. I also understand that literal love has protected him for 11 years, mm-hmm. plus 11 plus years, and literally saved him from dying that very night mm-hmm. uh, when Voldy attacked his parents and him to begin with. So... I, I don't get me wrong. I understand both <laughs> sides. I get it. Elizabeth doesn't have to lecture me on. No, on literally, it, all that's but... playing in my brain right now is a that's the power of the <laughs> that song. <laughs> and we will be right back with the spoiler section. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. All right, so we are back with the spoiler section of Chapter 37, The Lost Prophecy. I wanted to double back on that thing that I broached at the end of the non-spoiler section, which is, is Harry the only one that can truly vanquish the Dark Lord? Mm-hmm. And I know the prophecy says it, and the prophecy makes it fact, like it, that is factually true. Mm-hmm. If Dumbledore had survived, mm-hmm. I mean, he had hunted down a couple of the Horcruxes himself. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... I feel like if Dumbledore was able to survive, he's more than capable of finishing the job. But I guess the prophecy includes then the fact that, well, 
Dumbledore is not going to survive long enough to finish said job. I think, like, Dumbledore knows I can help get you to the point that you need to be with destroying the Horcruxes, and that's what Ron and Hermione are also able to help you with. But you are the only one who could lay down the sacrifice of being killed by Voldemort. I'm just quibbling with the word, the verbiage of, like, didn't Dumbledore do this? Because he knows of the Horcruxes. I think maybe because... I get it. The prophecy means he can't. I get it. Right, and and I think just, like, I mean, this is, at least that we know of, the second prophecy that Dumbledore has heard. He's seen one fully come true with Sirius. This, he's had 16 years to sit on and think about and prepare for. So I think he recognizes, like, this is going to be you, and that's why I didn't tell you, because hearing at 11 years old that you're either going to end up killing somebody or you're going to be killed by them is a heavy burden to hold. All right. What else we got? Well, I have two things. Maybe three. One, super, super tiny. We know Snape is the one who hears the prophecy. Dumbledore did not share that little tiny detail, but it's Snape who overheard it and shared it and ultimately regretted it because it led to Lily's death. Um, two, we know Creature does a complete 180 in book seven because he finally gets that respect and kindness from the trio that he didn't get with Sirius and that really saves them because they can't take care of themselves for that stretch of time. Um, probably the biggest one though is you had the question earlier, can Dumbledore truly feel Harry's pain? And I think the spoiler answer is yes. Because we know right now Harry is blaming himself for the actions that he did, which led to the death of a loved one. We know Dumbledore also had specific actions. Uh, you could argue selfish to the degree that Harry's is that lead to the death of a loved one. So, yeah, you're talking about when Dumbledore and Grindelwald are dueling mm-hmm. and Ariana gets caught in the... In the middle of In it. the crossfire. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. No. I mean, directly speaking, yes. He's He would feel similarly to Harry in that he is, whether directly or indirectly, responsible for the death of a loved one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the kind of guilt that, like, eats you from the inside. Yeah. And obviously he's, at least on some level, resented by his brother for that. Mm-hmm. Among other things, <laughs> but that is one thing. And, but, you know, still, I, it's obviously a different dynamic. His dynamic with his family is different than Harry's dynamic with Sirius. So on that level, it's still true that I don't think Dumbledore really understands that. Because I don't think anybody could understand that except right. for those individuals that are involved in that particular relationship. Right. So, you know, it's, it's both. It's just Harry obviously can't know the degree because Dumbledore is not going to be sharing Yeah, it, it's just a little... And again, I'm not blaming Harry for this at all because <laughs> whatever. He's gone through a lot. He's gone through a lot. <laughs> but it's a little foolish and naive on Harry's part to be like, this old man can't possibly have experienced what I'm going through. Well, that's foolish because you would assume he... And especially a man of Dumbledore's... Stature and prestige. If he he didn't specifically experience it himself, then he has probably seen it 
in some level. I mean, like me personally, just being a teacher, I haven't experienced tons of things, but I've had students come to me and talk about things and I, I can't put myself entirely into their shoes, obviously, because I'm not going through what they're going through, but I can listen and hear them and try to learn something from it. And I think that's what Dumbledore is it, doing. It's just one of those situations where it's like, Dumbledore, you can't understand me. And then if I was Dumbledore in the back of my head, somewhere the petty part of me would be like, I'm sorry. And you can presume that you know everything about me and how I've <laughs> lived and felt. Right. Like, I'm sorry. Dumbledore, you illustrated the moment with his family very well. Well, he also had to duel the love of his life right. and put him in prison. Right. That's hard. That couldn't have been easy. <laughs> like, there's... And Harry obviously has could not even imagine those events happening, right. even if he wasn't in this state. Right. But, I mean, yeah, come on. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah. Because no, Harry, you're not as alone as you think in your angst. Got anything else for the spoilers? Um, no. I mean, we'll, we'll get more to the power of love come book seven and just how powerful the, it actually is. Yes, yes, yes. The Care Bears part of <laughs> Harry Potter. <laughs> this is coming out after Valentine's Day, Dan. We gotta get some love in somehow. <laughs> I know what Dumbledore just said in this chapter. I, <laughs> I read the words myself. I get it. But that's still Dumbledore's words. I still believe that some part... It was both. I still feel like it was torturous for Voldy to be in Harry's body. Mm -hmm. Yes. I believe that. And the entire Ministry of Magic walking in <laughs> probably was like, all right. Time to go. Let me go save Bellatrix and get out of here. Yeah. So, yeah. It was... I still believe it was a little bit of both. <laughs> and it's a nice little storyline with the love bit. But it's both. I think. Me personally. This is going to be what we call a short spoiler section. <laughs> but we wanted to focus on the actual conversation that they did have. So we'll probably just wrap it up here yeah. for, for the episode. And we will see you guys back for next week when we finish. Oh, I can't believe it We're already. finishing Order of the Phoenix. We're finishing it. Can you believe that after no. all this time? <laughs> so we're wrapping up Order of the Phoenix next week. So please join us for that. And then we'll kick off Half-Blood Prince uh, starting the week after that. So if you are so inclined, please leave a like, a review, a comment on Spotify. Participate in all of our polls, uh, both on Spotify and on Twitter and on Instagram, and all of the stuff that we have. <laughs> it really helps grow our podcast, and we really appreciate all that listener support. We appreciate uh, those comments, and we'll try to keep integrating them into the episodes as much as we can. You can leave a, a voice message um, that we'll try to integrate as well. Uh, if you're so inclined to donate financially to the podcast, there's a link wherever you're listening to this podcast that says support the podcast. And it's a lot of time and effort that goes into these. So we appreciate any help in that area as well. But other than that, I think we'll wrap it up and we'll see you back next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Hogwarts, a podcast. If you like what you've heard, please click the subscribe button on your preferred podcasting app and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Hogwarts a Pod.